Welcome to Pedagog, a podcast about teachers talking writing. I'm your host, Shane Wood. Pedagog launched in 2019 with the goal of amplifying perspectives and experiences on teaching writing across institutions. For the most part, I feel like the podcast has promoted a wide range of perspectives across post-secondary education context. Starting out, my hope was for Pedagog to be a platform that fills gaps in more traditional alphabetic scholarship, which often privileges teachers situated in more research-intensive universities that have space and time to publish. I wanted the podcast to be a space that embraces and showcases experiences and knowledges from all types of classrooms for us to consider and think about what teaching writing looks like, what it means to teach writing in different contexts, from two-year colleges to historically black colleges and universities, to Hispanic-serving institutions, to private colleges, to small liberal arts colleges, to large and small public universities. Through all these episodes, there's still something missing. The voices and perspectives of teachers at tribal colleges and universities. I taught basic writing and first-year composition at a tribal college as an adjunct for almost two years, and those students and classrooms impacted my perception and understanding of teaching more than any other context. There are currently 32 fully accredited tribal colleges and universities in the United States serving approximately 30,000 full-time and part-time students according to the U.S. Department of Education. This is the ninth episode in a 10-week series that highlights tribal colleges and universities. In this episode, Whitney Coy talks about teaching at Ogallala Lakota College, Lakota values, culturally sustaining pedagogy, community and kinship, multimodality, craft, and what she wished people knew about tribal colleges and universities. So one of the main guiding principles of Ogallala Lakota College is the concept of Wolakola Kichiapi, um, which is kind of like the bigger context and the bigger idea of being Lakota and Lakota values such as respect, um, honesty, fortitude, um, just to name a few of this of the seven values. Whitney Coy lives in Rapid City, South Dakota with her husband and their family. She works for Black Hills Special Services and is taught full-time or part-time for Ogallala Lakota College, a tribal college on the Pine Ridge Indian Reservation for nearly a decade. She is finishing her doctorate in education policy, organization, and leadership with an emphasis in diversity and equity from the University of Illinois. When she is not working, she enjoys binge-watching shows with her husband and doing stick-poke tattoos. Whitney, thanks so much for joining us. You teach at Ogallala Lakota College. Can you talk more about your institutional context? So I teach at Ogallala Lakota College. Um, it's on the Pine Ridge Indian Reservation in South Dakota. Uh, there's 13 campuses, you could say, um, spread out throughout the reservation, one in Rapid City, South Dakota, and then there's a location on the Cheyenne River Indian Reservation as well. I currently teach um, as an adjunct professor at Ogallala Lakota College. I used to teach full-time for about six years. And so I was in the English and Communications Department, which is where our the majority of our gen ed um, writing classes fall. Um, depending on the semester, um, there's varying sections offered. And so with the um, with the 
campus that's located on multiple different smaller campuses that's designed so our um, students can have easier access to education um, so within their communities on the reservation that they can make it to class and not have to travel you know an hour or two hours even to make it um, so with that almost every I would say almost every of the major um, the larger campuses offer at least between one to three sections of English, writing comp one, and then a writing comp two. If there are two small or smaller, I guess, campuses, um, sometimes they will kind of buddy up. And so one will offer English one, one will offer English two, and then they'll transport students back and forth as needed to make it, um, to make it work. Um, our class sizes typically run smaller. Um, and so I would say at the largest, we would have approximately like 35 to 36 um, with the smallest typically being, I think it's six to make the class um, with our gen eds needing more to make the class. Um, our students are, the majority of our students are from, um, from Oglala Lakota um, tribe. And so they are from the area. We do have students that are members of other tribes and things of that nature. And we do have some non-native students, but it is primarily, I would say, upper 90% uh, native students. Um, and I'm trying to think about our number of faculty that we have. Um, within our Department of English and Communications, which falls also under with social sciences, they probably have approximately five five um, professors who teach and then they do have some adjuncts like myself currently. Whitney, what guides your approach to, to teaching writing? What are some values or ideas or principles you want students to take from your classes? Yeah, of course. So one of the main guiding principles of Ogallala Lakota College is the concept of Wolakola Kichiapi, um, which is kind of like the bigger context and the bigger idea of being Lakota and the Lakota values such as respect, um, honesty, fortitude, um, just to name a few of this of the seven values. And so really within that, guiding my class through those principles and ensuring that we are being a culturally sustaining classroom. Um, you know, for years, I think we've heard of culturally responsive and culturally relevant. Um, culturally sustaining kind of takes it a step further. And so we're not just responding to the students who are in our classes and who they are, but we're actually really immersing ourselves within the varying cultures um, and, and wanting those to progress throughout all that we do. Um, and so that really guides a lot of our class values, our norms, our expectations. Um, and then at the same time, having those high expectations with culturally sustaining teaching practices um, for our students to have that academic rigor. So no matter where they go, if they move on to graduate studies or doctoral studies, they're able to have that really foundational knowledge of, um, of writing. So, Winnie, what texts and writing assignments do you use and, and how do students respond to these texts and assignments? So I would say first and foremost, um, particularly because our tribal college is so centered on community and that idea of kinship and that we're all related, um, really growing relationships within the classroom is important. Um, and not only within the classroom, but also within the community and um, the community, the staff members there. Um, we have so many students 
of ours are related or are um, have connections with different people within the classroom, within staff members. So it's really important to to grow those relationships first and foremost um, and come at it as that we're in a partnership together, that I'm not necessarily the, the expert on this, um, no matter what my degrees and things of that may be, um, but we're all here to learn together. Um, so kind of setting that together um, and really creating that baseline of we're respecting one another in this classroom and that we may have varying opinions, even though on the surface we may all look similar, um, we're gonna he- we're here to grow together. Um, from there, it's important, um, I would say a few things. I would say utilizing, like you stated, utilizing text um, that not only creates a global perspective for our students, so things that they've maybe not read before, um, but also utilizing text that from writers um, and scholars who are indigenous and particularly those who are Lakota, Dakota or Nakota. Um, And so the Ogallala um, are part of the Lakota, which is part of a bigger band um, of the Oshadi Shakowi, which um, comprises of the nine reservations in South Dakota. Um, So getting writers like Zintinkula, Shah, is important for us to to really have them analyze what's happening in the past and also what's happening currently. Um, Ogallala Lakota College also has a really wonderful library. Um, it's been awarded congressionally before for the different archives that it has. And so like one assignment that I've done in the past, especially for, for English One, I believe, has been that I have the librarians either bring things to us or we go to the library, which is centered on the main campus um, near Kyle and P- at Pio Wachoni. And what we do there is they will select, go through the archives, they'll look at photos, they will look at beadwork, they will look at letters written, um, you know, these primary sources. And then from there, they will pick varying topics. So it may be related on boarding schools. It may be related on, you um, traditional beadwork, whatever they they want to pick. Um, And from there, they will start constructing kind of research on that. Um, And then another additional part to that is because of the sense of community being so embedded in everything that we do, it's important for us to interview and speak to those within our community and within our families um, who may have those relations to those items or to those experiences that they're, that they are um, trying to research on. And so there's an interview aspect to the assignment. Um, And with that, I think for many students, you know, they've never had to interview anyone. It kind of pushes them out of, of their comfort levels, but then it also engages them with people, particularly culture bearers or elders um, who are experts on what they're writing about. And so the pieces of writing that come from that have been really fantastic um, because they feel so connected, not only to their community and what they're writing about, but also who they are, um, who members of their community are and what can move forward. I think it is as imperative as it is to utilize concepts and terms and themes within um, narratives and and essays and things that that students relate to. I think 
also being able to ground them in a sense of exactly where they are and the place that they are really allows them to see themselves within not only within the work, but also in future goals and future visions of themselves as scholars. It sounds to me like you emphasize multimodality and craft or crafting so composing beyond the alphabetic text. Exactly. A hundred percent. I think if we only did that, I think it would be really flat. And I don't think we would get um, the type of engagement that we want um, from students and and also the type of encouragement for students. Um, we do have some students that come from, you know, varying backgrounds within their education. Um, and so college can be really intimidating at first. And I think that's for any student at any college um, when you're first taking college classes. And even for straight A high school students, you can come into a, a college, you know, writing class and be overwhelmed because you're learning so much new, so many new things. And at the same time, you maybe don't feel as if you fit there or you have that imposter syndrome. And so really trying to craft ways that students can grow as learners, um, but at the same time be put, be really, be really championed as the scholars that they already are and the scholars that they possibly can be is important in my classroom. Whitney, what are some challenges to teaching at Ogallala Lakota College? I would say the uncertainty in some of our students' lives um, is a challenge. And so really trying to not only maintain high rigor and high standards for what we're doing and for the work, for the scholarly work, but also knowing that students do have lives. And oftentimes those lives can really take over very quickly. And at the end of the day, when you're trying to survive in different situations, sometimes homework gets put on the back burner. And so being able to see students exactly for who they are, meet them for who they are, is imperative every single day. And not holding, well, that student hasn't been here for two weeks, but instead having the mindset of, we're so happy you're here. Let's see what we need to do to get you caught up and move you forward, because we really want to see you succeed in our class, um, is is the most crucial thing, I believe. Um, and really being, as a professor, I think really falling back on the staff members who are within the, those communities all the time and live there and have grown up there and falling back on them and saying, hey, like, we haven't seen this student. What do we need to do? How can we remedy this? And working through plans together um, is really important. And so not having that silo mindset, which sometimes happens at larger universities. Um, so I think, you know, we have challenges that that's between transportation, um, childcare, um, jobs, um, you know, and just also just life of students who are young and also students who are older that are going through different situations, um, whether it be family situations or um, career situations, something like that. And so it makes getting to class hard um, and it makes getting to class, you know, do I stay with my young baby or do I go to class? Do I bring my child to class? Um, and so, you know, you're trying to balance those, those things. Um, from the first day that I typically have class, I really try and set up the expectation that I don't know what's happening if you don't let me know. 
Um, so I can't help you if you don't communicate. And so I have systems of communicating. Students have my cell phone number. They can text me. They can email me. They can also communicate through their college center. Um, and so there's multiple ways that they can get in touch with me. Um, that's important, particularly if students run out of cell phone minutes, they can depend on the free Wi-Fi at the college center to then maybe email me or vice versa. Maybe they don't have Wi-Fi, but they have text on their phone so they can text. Um, and so from there, kind of having that expectation has allowed me, if I start seeing that a student maybe didn't come to class, being able to reach out to them and not not reaching out to them in a one-way communication type of way um, where I'm just giving them information of this is what you've missed or something like that, but really engaging with them of, hey, like we missed, I missed you in class today. We did some really awesome things. I think you would have enjoyed it. What can I do to help you get back to class or what was happening? Um, and typically students at that point are vocal of saying like, my auntie was in the hospital, so my whole family was there. I didn't I didn't think that I could come or make it, or I got stuck in a different town for work. I don't have transportation. And so then we can work out a plan. And also the, the College Center has a really wonderful student management system, um, early alerts that you can also utilize um, to kind of track students, particularly if they're missing assignments, if there was a large... If there was a um, large scale like trauma event in their life, something of that nature that we can let teachers know amongst each other to kind of say, hey, like this student has been coming to my class every every day. What about yours? And then if the other teacher says, no, they actually have not been making it, you know, they're falling behind. Is it because of what they're learning? Is it because of their schedule? And so then we can kind of address it from there. I would also say, like I stated earlier um, a little bit, really working with the college staff who's in the community. Um, sometimes they know more information, um, such as that there's a community death um, and what that looks like and who's been affected. And so really trying to take that into consideration of getting plans for students um, to be able to continue the work and continue the work at a high level, but also working around what's actually happening in their lives. What do you enjoy the most about teaching writing in your institution? I would say my students, 100%. Um, they are so brilliant and so wonderful. And they are such leaders. And the ability to tell stories and to weave their stories into what is currently happening and what has happened in the past um, is, is such a wonderful skill set. And, you know, I think oftentimes we see on or near reservations the use of poverty porn um, to really draw people into these mystified stereotypical images of Indigenous people. And I just know that from the relationships that I've built with students and from the work that they're doing and from who they are, um, none of that matters or is even consequential in any of the scheme of things. Um, they're so much bigger than that. And 
And I just am so thankful and grateful that I'm able to share learning spaces with them and to see them grow and to see them graduate, and see them go into their careers. Um, because I have had quite a few years at the college. And so I've been able to see students really work through the whole system. And now they have a job and now they have this and and it and see them as leaders in, in communities, um, which is amazing. This is my last question. What do you wish people knew or understood about tribal colleges and universities? I think just really the idea of breaking down, well, first and foremost, breaking down those ideas formed of what indigenous students should look like and that it is this idea that they all look the same or their experiences are all the same um, and that each tribal college is all the same because that's not necess- that's not true, right? When we know that, particularly working at tribal colleges um, and even within tribal colleges, the varying communities that some serve can be vastly different. So like the college center at Oglala is very different than the college center in in Wombly, South Dakota, but they all fall under the same branch of Oglala Lakota College. Um, and so I think really breaking down those those stereotypes of what we think indigenous students should be and who they are is is important. And I also think I think with projects like this of putting tribal colleges and universities really in the spotlight and really in the forefront of what they're doing. Um, because I've worked at other universities before, full-time and part-time, and I've never had the level of engagement and student work consistently like I've had at a tribal college. And I think for many students, education is the way that they are seeing that they can expand themselves and they want that education. Um, so badly and they'll do anything for it Um, and so that fortitude and those traditional values particularly with my students so traditional Lakota values really are the driving factor for the students um, on who they are and ultimately the people of society that they become. Thanks Winnie and thank you pedagogue listeners and followers until next time.